Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 121 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast where Captain is King, Marissa is Queen, and I am your host, Bethany Finger. This episode is brought to you by Rambi and Crew patron supporters. Thank you. Please welcome back a very special guest, Drew from Of Slippers and Spindles podcast. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. We haven't had you on in, I want to say it's been a year now. Um, getting close because we're coming up on the anniversary of when we started of slippers and spindles, which was, you know, when you and I first met. So yeah, we're getting close. Yes. That's crazy. Time goes by so quickly. I know. I know. Especially, you know, the last year and a half or so. Yes. Time is not real. (laughs) Time is not. Time is an illusion. Yes. Do you have anything that you're currently reading right now? Oh, I, I have been doing so much reading this year. So much, like more reading this year than I've done probably in the last decade. So, um, well, there's that at least. Yes. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of reading done. It's been great. I actually, my most recent read I have told you about was actually the arc of Gilded by Marissa Meyer, the one and only. And oh, I'm so jealous. I want the arc to that so bad. Oh my gosh. It's, it is good. It is so good. I saw it on NetGalley and I thought it was a, an advanced reader copy and I got all excited and it's just like the first chapter. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this Marissa, is just a tease. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Marissa read the, the prologue. So the prologue is out there now. Yes. Um, I did a bonus episode on it for my Patreon. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that the prologue is good and the book just gets better from there. It is very creative. I think you and everyone, you're all really going to love it. I'm so excited. I love and, I love this time of year because we're getting so much Marissa stuff. I know. Yeah, yeah. Always <laughs> ramping up into the, the fall months, right? Right. Yeah, and I also, I read it, or I finished reading it right before she announced that it was a duology. So I finished the book not knowing that the ending was like a cliffhanger. I thought, uh, it's not a cliffhanger. I don't know. I don't know. I was just surprised um, that there's a second book coming and I'm, I'm really excited that there's going to be more. Yeah, but now you have to wait a year. Uh, I know, even longer than most uh, everyone else is going to have to wait because I read it early. <laughs> I know. I know. When I saw that chap, the, the like sneak peek chapter that was on there, I was like, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. I want to read the whole thing in one sitting. I have like a, (laughs) I'm going to sound like a freak, but I have like a ritual now that I do when I get a Marissa book. So I feel like I have to keep that going. What is this ritual? Oh God. So (laughs) it's okay. So I set an alarm and I wake up as early as possible Uh and I get breakfast burritos from McDonald's because I love breakfast burritos and I get a giant coffee from Starbucks and I close the door to my room. And and you just read. And I just read. And I come That's out when awesome. I'm done. And I wow. always tell my husband, like, I'll see you in 26 hours. Wow. So you, <laughs> how long have you been doing this? Since winter. 
Oh, wow. So that's so, at least a few. Yeah. So Winter, Renegades, Arch Enemies, Supernova, Heartless, Instant Karma. So that's six books. Yeah. All six of those? You read all of them basically in one sitting? One each? sitting, yeah. Wow. It was it was all nighters. Yeah. There I were definitely times that. when the husband would like come and check on me and I'd be like, you can bring me more coffee. <laughs> oh my gosh. Does he bring you like meals and stuff? Yeah, every once in a while I'll get huh? I'll get really lucky and I'll just smell pizza and I'm like, ooh, what's going on here? Huh. That is amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's um every once in a while, not with Marissa, but with other books, he will get a little bossy though. Like when I was reading the selection series, I don't know if you've read it. No, but I haven't, but I've heard of it. There's a scene in book two that's really emotional and I was like bawling my eyes out and I'm a really ugly crier by the way like I'm not one of those cute girls on tv with like a glistening tear like I'm like a toddler with like snot coming down and everything and I was reading this book and like just dying and he's like walking by and he's like what's going on and I was like and then and receiver and then he's like I think we're done I think give me the book give me the book now I think we're gonna come back to this later let's go take a bath like oh oh my gosh but luckily Marissa hasn't killed me that much yeah yeah her books are emotional but man like I've cried at books but I don't know if I've ever like broken down like that that's amazing though that you can feel you know that strongly about I'm a a very emotional person. I cry Mm -hmm. very easily. Um, I was just telling, I was just telling you before we started recording that like my parents got married, my parents just got married. Um, They've been engaged for 17 years, 16 years, and they just got married. Um, And all of us were crying. My sister was crying. My other sister was crying. I was crying. My grandma was crying. My dad was crying. My bonus yeah. mom was crying. Like Quentin was probably like the only one not crying. And he was just like <laughs> silently judging all of us for crying. Because <laughs> he's not a crier. Um, I've never seen him cry. I did see him get choked up once during an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Oh. It was, I've um, never watched Grey's, but I hear it's very emotional. He watched the first like three seasons and then he was like, all right, I know the premise of every episode from here on out. I don't need to watch it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. So he was like, I'm done now. And I was like, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Every once in a while, I see reaction videos to specific episodes of Grey's Anatomy on TikTok. And I don't know what they're reacting to. And so uh, it, it just cracks me up because like, people will be shocked or they'll be crying. And I'm just like, I don't know what's going on, but I appreciate that you had an emotional reaction. That's the, what media is here for. I, I will say the one that never fails to get me is the prom episode. Okay. I, I don't know um, what that means, but. You don't, but all of the <laughs> listeners who've watched Grey's Anatomy are like, yes, girl, yeah, we know. Yep, that's right. That's <laughs> they're the sending these secret hugs right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you've Can, never cried with a book? Uh, oh, I've cried with books, but I've never like, I don't know if I've like, cried a lot it's just kind of like a few tears shed you know the so last you're probably cry, a really cute crier then uh I like to think so but I wouldn't know <laughs> the, the last book that made me cry was um Crooked Kingdom by Lee Bardugo I have not read that one. Oh, uh, oh, yeah uh, uh, you know I mean it's the the second book in the Six of Crows duology which mm-hmm. you know everybody loves Six of Crows in the YA community so uh you know I finally got around to reading them and uh they live up to the hype. I, I will, I will uh, always, uh, or I'll, I'll promote Six of Crows. I enjoyed it. Nice. Yeah. I yeah. know that. So I definitely cried 
obviously we're spoiler free, so I won't give away when, but I cried in Heartless. I read Heartless for the first time this year. I thought I knew what I was getting myself into. Like I but figured, you don't. It's you know, the problem. <laughs> I figure, you know, I, I can predict how this is going to go. Nope. But Marissa Meyer is just so creative. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but. No, but yeah, we like it. I, so. I was so <laughs> impressed away. with Heartless. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I keep saying when we read and write and film retellings of Alice in Wonderland nowadays, everyone has to reinvent Wonderland. And mm-hmm. I think Marissa did such a good job of f- making it feel like her Wonderland is just an extension of Lewis Carroll's Wonderland. It doesn't feel like a reinvention. It feels like an expansion. And I feel like what's great it. about Heartless is that none of it feels like a reinvention. It just feels like part of the story we didn't yeah. know yet. Yeah, that exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so when, when you get to to heartless i'll be there i'm i'm ready i love heartless i was very that's impressed. gonna be a little while oh when, yeah I'm when sure. is heartless <laughs> heartless is february of, of 2023 i'm so impressed that you have so, everything so lined up uh i know the only thing out, i but, don't have is i don't know how many chapters and pages gilded is so i don't oh, have right, it scheduled yeah. out but i know we're gonna start it in june of 2025 so oh my gosh <laughs> I'm a dork. No, I'm a, I'm a scheduling geek. <laughs> we love organization. It's great. I know I cried in Cinder when Peony died. Oh, yeah. And I cried yeah. in Ferris when Everett died. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. I wasn't hysterical, but I I was definitely upset. Yeah. Everett I, deserved better. I really enjoyed Everett and Solstice as characters way more than I ever expected to. I know. I, I, I think they're, had they're a just short really endearing. I know. Yeah, that would, that be, would nice. be cute. Maybe one day. What can I turn the question back on you? What are you reading right now besides Winter? So I am reading Hot British Boyfriend by Christy Weiss. Um, I was going to read it a couple weeks ago, and then life happened. So I'm reading it now. Life does happen. <laughs> life happens. Um, yeah. But it's just like a cute little teenage rom-com about a girl who gets rejected and decides to go all the way over to the UK to get over her breakup. Aww. Um, where I assume she'll meet someone and fall in love. Yeah, it sounds like from the title that that is likely to happen. Oh, I know, right? Hot British Boyfriend. Is like, <laughs> well, we know what the whole book is about now. <laughs> I also just bought a book called Fat Vampire that I'm dying to read. Ooh. I have no idea what it's about. It just said Fat Vampire. That can be so much fun, though. I, I love picking up a book, usually a book that someone's like recommended, and just taking a chance and not reading what it's about. It's the same kind of, to me, as like going to see a movie without seeing the trailer. I saw Inception without seeing the trailer, and it just blew my Ooh, mind because yeah. I had no idea what was ahead of me. And so I kind of enjoy doing that with books. But So this one scared. didn't have a jacket. <laughs> oh, it's a hardcover without a jacket. And the oh, publisher oh. page didn't have a summary or a so, list of uh, uh, terms. So, I'm sure you could find it if you really wanted to. I know, but, but I kind of like leaving it hanging yeah. in the air. It's like a blind date with a book. Right. It's called mm-hmm. Vamp- It's called Fat Vampire, A Never Coming of Age Story. And I'm like, that sounds amazing. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is, but like I have to read this. A never coming of age story. I wonder right? what that means. Because vampires don't die, I'm guessing. 
Oh, of course not. Yeah. But I mean, I haven't read it yet, so I don't know. I'll let you know if it's good. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah. You have to let me know. I'm invested now. My vampire experience is like Twilight, Buffy, and the Lost Boys, and that's it. I have almost no vampire experience. Or no, I did just read Vampire Academy, and that was really good. How did Twilight get a book series, a movie deal when Vampire Academy didn't? I don't understand that. It was way better. I haven't read either of them, so I I couldn't (laughs) tell you. Vampire Academy is way better. The characters do this thing. Um, it's really weird. They have like growth and development and they change over oh. the course of the series. It's crazy. Oh, that's what a novel concept. <laughs> it kind of is for for a teenage story about vampires. I know, I know. Have you seen Buffy? Like the first season of Buffy and the last season of Buffy, she's kind of the same person. <laughs> really? No, I've seen the first episode of Buffy. Um a very limited experience with any vampire media. I've seen mm-hmm. one scene from one of the Twilights. And I, do, I, I, I know you guys, you don't spoil things here. But I'll just say it's like... We don't the... spoil Marissa. We spoil everything okay. else. Okay, so I'll, I'll spoil Twilight then. The, the battle scene that's not in the book. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. That's like, that is the only part of Twilight I've seen. Which is the pretty wild out of context. rough. That's so I've heard. They're not, you know how people are always like, oh, the book wasn't like the movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, it's not though. Cause like the characters are completely different and that's what makes it wow. weird. Wow. Like Harry Potter might've changed some of the context and plot, but other than mm-hmm. Ginny, they did a pretty good job when it came to <laughs> like representing what the characters actually acted like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, like Emma general, Watson embodies what yeah. Hermione is, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but Twilight, yeah, they just totally screwed up the characters. The whole reason I read Twilight was because my father told my sister she could go see Twilight for her birthday in the theaters. And then he found out what it was. And he's like, I'm not sitting through that. <laughs> so um, I am five and six years older than my sister. So I was a grown up with like my own apartment at this time. So he called me and was like, hey, your sisters really want to go see this movie. And then I thought maybe they could sleep over at your apartment afterwards because it's going to get out really late at night. And I was like, oh, sure. And he's like, and I'll pay for like tickets, popcorn, drinks, everything. I was like, hell yeah, this is great. Free popcorn, free movie. Can I hang out with my sisters? And he's like, yeah, it's Twilight. And I was like, hey, you did that on purpose. You started out (laughs) with the good stuff. He's like, I'm not watching that. He tricked you. He did. My sisters loved the book. So I went, I took them. We got done watching the movie. I looked at my sisters. I was like, I don't know what the hell I just watched. I have no (laughs) clue. I don't remember enough about the plot or characters to understand anything that I just experienced in the last two hours. And they were like, read the books. And I was like, I say that to people all the time. I might as well listen. Um, And I, I did. And the books really aren't as horrible as everybody thinks they are. But you know what they are? They're not great. (laughs) it's like um it's like those cheesy made for tv movies like they're good Mm. when you're in the mood for it but that Mm -hmm. thing's not winning an oscar yeah yeah (laughs) they're there they're there for you know what they served their cultural purpose i think you know like they were there to serve to a a specific audience and they did that and now we can just enjoy the interviews of robert pattinson talking about how much he hated being in twilight (laughs) So true. I will say they're a really good palate cleanser. Mm, interesting. Because they're a very quick read. Mm-hmm. Um, also, she could have told the entire story in like one book, but you know, 
four books makes more money, I guess. I don't know. That's uh, right. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah, that's correct. That'll make way more money. So, yeah, that's what I – we got off topic, but I'm that's what I'm reading. And I have a million other books that I need to read. My husband oh my got gosh, me another too. bookshelf. And we oh, rearranged my we rearranged my entire office because there was no room for another oh. bookshelf. So we had to rearrange the whole thing. Everything. Um, wow. Yeah. I love getting a new bookshelf. I'm big on like decorating my bookshelves. So I don't just line up my books in general. I like arrange them and display them with other like memorabilia and stuff like that. And you're so uh, cute. I'm I like love the opposite. I like organize them based off of like oh, no. in my brain how I think they should go and then I just randomly put my memorabilia in places. I'll have to send you pictures of my bookshelves because I have yes. like, a whole Wizard of Oz bookshelf. I have <gasps> I two it. Peter Pan bookshelves. I've got oh, like so a fairy got, tale shelf. Yeah. I've got everything separated by the genre that I think it should be in. <laughs> Like yes. all the dystopia books have a shelf, all the yeah, adventure okay. books, all the vampire stuff is on one shelf, you know? That's fine. Um, That's cool. So there's only two authors that have their own shelves. Marissa, uh, Marissa Meyer. Marissa obviously. and Marissa. Meg Cabot. Oh, okay. And that might just be because Meg Cabot's written like 50 books. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but she's have got you, her own shelf. Did Meg Cabot, she wrote um, um, Avalon High? Yes. Is that right? Yes. Have you read Avalon High? It's on the shelf, but I have not gotten to it yet. Okay, okay. So I I think it's the only Meg Cabot book I've read, and they made a Disney Channel movie based on it. Wait a minute, wait and a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You love young adult books, and you haven't read Meg Cabot? I know. How did that happen? I know. I think I wasn't allowed to read Meg Cabot when I was a kid. I think. Oh, no. I know. I, I, I And I couldn't tell you why, but I feel like my mom... There was something that uh, no, I, I don't remember. I don't remember. Well, but, I I will say her her books are not unrealistic. They do talk about the peer pressure of like going to a party and someone offering you a drink or yeah, being with your boyfriend was, in high school and someone yeah. tries to like peer pressure you into sex and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I they think, deal I with think, actual teen issues, so I can I see why a mom would say no. Yeah, yeah. So when I was a teenager, I never got to those books because those issues were there. And um, I just never really got around to reading the rest of them. My sister loves the Princess Diaries books, though. Oh, I do, And last too. time They're I was so on here, good. you, yeah, I think you had just read one of them. I did an entire, so the book I'm writing right now is in a diary perspective. So mm-hmm. I did a huge reread of everything diary perspective. So oh, everything, cool. Princess Diaries, Bridget Jones, all that. That's smart. Yeah. Very smart. Needed- right now I'm trying to look for things that are written from a villain point of view because the book I'm reading is a Snow White, or I'm sorry, the book I'm writing is a Snow White retelling that alternates between the Snow White perspective and the Queen's perspective. So I'm like, Ooh. I need the, the villain voice in my brain. Oh, I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. The, the Queen's background, it, it, her, her chapters are also a retelling of the Bluebeard fairy tale. <gasps> Bluebeard mm-hmm. doesn't get enough attention. I know, I know. That's why I'm I'm putting it out there because I think we need more Bluebeard. I out am there. so excited to read it. I really yeah. am. I'm excited to write it. I'm enjoying writing it. So yeah, I yeah, would be yeah. too. I I totally understand that because I, I I wasn't planning on my book being a diary. <laughs> Mm, but yeah. I started writing it and it kind of became a diary while I was writing it. And then I That's was like, cool. 
oh, if this is a diary, then I'm going to need to rework like everything I was planning on doing. Cause I'm also yeah. a pantser. Oh my gosh. So you're I have a crazy like a, person. I'll have like a general idea of what I'm going to do, but I just kind of go on the computer and let it happen. Like the only outline I have right now is she has to be at camp for 12 weeks and every week starts with a do a different quote. So that's my whole outline is I have 12 quotes. Oh, interesting. And they're all in different places. I think I've moved them quite a bit. So I'm not sure that counts as an outline at all. <laughs> wow. Wait, so does that encompass the entire book or is that like only part of it? Nope. That's the whole book. 12 weeks. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> I could never, I would never get anything done if I wrote that way. I, I write like a big, long, like five chapter summary, basically. And then I take that summary and I break it down the sentences to create my outline. So oh, wow. like the first sentence or two ends up being chapter one. And That's then the next cool. couple sentences. Yeah. And it's it's working so far. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has different um, ways that they write to, like different methods that work yeah. for them. Like, yeah. And I usually go in order, but like sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. Like the other day I wrote a scene um, and then I met with my critique partner, Abigail, and halfway through her telling me how much she loved the scene, I was like, I'm going to move it. And she was like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, I don't think that's week six. I think that's week 11. And she was like, oh, wow. No, no, it's it's fine. I was like, no, I've got I've got an idea. I want to move it to 11. I'm going to change some things and move it to 11. Like, Because, you know, sometimes when you're talking about something, even if it's not like a, a, a negative or a you should work on this or something, like you just get an idea mm, of, oh, yeah. of, of where the story is going. And so you kind of change yeah. Direction. I mean, I, and I do the same thing, you know, like I actually, the last chapter I wrote was a chapter that I wasn't planning on writing. And I, I finished like this second section of the book and I was like, uh, I think I'm missing something. And so I, I ended up putting in a whole other chapter that I wasn't planning on before. So like, you know, I make changes as I go as well, but for the most part, you know, I know I, what's going to happen. I have like an idea in my head, <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah, are I mean, you, there's a, a lot. <laughs> are you more of like a plot writer or more of a character writer? Um, I'm more of a character writer. And then mm, the plot mm -hmm. sort of follows the characters, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I'm Like very the much... whole book is based off of a character that I came up with. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, yeah, no, I'm very much like a, a plot person. Like I enjoy reading books that have heavy you know plot intricacies and I enjoy writing those types of books as well mm -hmm. and so I think that's part of why I have to plan in advance because yeah because if you've got that much world building and, yeah. and weaving stories going together it it makes sense exactly the, exactly the short story that I have on my what pad right now mm. uh was actually a um a writing prompt during a, a creative writing course that I was taking and the writing prompt was like it was just like a random exercise where we had to come up with like a character and I got so excited about the character I decided to write a short story about her but it was literally like we had like three minutes to come up with a character wow that's so cool. I came that's up super with, cool I came up with my character and he was like all right you guys are done for the day and I was like I really want to do something with her though like yeah she's in the world now she deserves to have some kind of story so I, I wrote the short story that's on my what pad now that's that's really cool. Uh, yeah, I think my characters, uh, I had like an epiphany listening to actually The Happy Writer by Marissa Meyer. Aww. Just because she talks about like 
how she outlines and then she kind of finds her characters as she goes. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, like it never occurred to me that I could do that, you know? Like the, everyone talks about, you know, knowing your character so well before you even sit down to write anything. And, oh, and there's all these exercises that you're supposed to do to yes. get to know your characters. Yes. Yeah. And I think those are important, but I think like those were like a hurdle that were preventing me from writing anything at all. So when I said, let me just write uh, it and then I can, I can find the characters as I go. And then I can do that work after the first draft because I'll, I'll already have a better sense of certain things about them from writing that, that first draft. So, um, yeah, that just really like gave me the freedom to just start writing. I love that. Yeah. I, I think for me, I, I don't necessarily get caught up in like what you should do or something like that, but Mm -hmm. I often get caught up in what has someone not done. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I have like Like a very, yeah. Like -hmm. I have a very strong desire to include those things. Like, okay, I'll give you guys a sneak peek into my book. Um, She's a she's 19 and she goes to camp for 12 weeks. I'm realistic. She has her period. Oh yeah. Sure. No. <laughs> Other than Meg Cabot, I have read so many young adult books with a main character that is a female between the ages of 16 and 19 and none of them ever have their menstrual cycle ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ever. Yeah, that's such a tricky thing. Because it it, it is so like taboo. It seems, but it's to like why it. they can't control but it. They're just exactly, human, yeah. You know, yeah. and mine. It's really, really vague. She just wakes up with camp, like she wakes up at camp with cramps, and she's grumpy because she doesn't have a heating pad. That's like the end of the mm-hmm. paragraph. It's just like a, a quick mention of being a girl. Yeah, and I even told my husband about it because I was like, I was like, yeah, I included that she was on her period, and he's like, yeah, and I was like, no, not yeah. He's like, yeah, girls get their period why wouldn't that be in the book and I started telling him like how it's actually very rare for them to mention that at Mm -hmm. all in young adult books and he was like that makes no sense I know I do think it's becoming (laughs) more common like Mm -hmm. not common but just more like acceptable which is crazy it it should be acceptable but I just feel like uh maybe um publishing companies are are allowing it to to slip in there a little bit more and I think that's good. I think um, I think it's good for young girls to not have to worry about being ashamed of that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, my, my husband is so chill when it comes to that stuff. But I know I've met some girls and they'll – I think there was one time we were at Walmart with my sister-in-law's um, baby daddy. And she had just given birth to a child. She created life and brought it into the universe. And he was guilting her about buying pads. What? And my and he was like leaning into my husband too. He was like, huh, you get it, right? And Quentin was like, dude, I am married. I know what kind she buys. I know yeah. when they're on sale. Like I can go grab them right now. Like why are you making her feel bad about this? Good for him. Good for your husband. But like some people just, that's that's something that they're uncomfortable with. And I, I would love to change that narrative. Yeah. 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 We've gotten off on a weird tangent now. <laughs> eh, that's okay. That's why I put at the beginning when chapter discussion starts. That's, right. that's, right. <laughs> that's what it's there for. That is exactly what it's there for. So yeah. let's talk about Fan Art Friday because yeah. I'm super excited about the fan art I got. This first one is so <gasps> cool. 
I know. So this is from August 27th, and it's by Nail Me to a Lightning Tree on Tumblr. <laughs> I love that name. I do, too. And I I love it so much. Okay, so first of all, it's blue and sparkly. No, it's not blue. It's teal and yes. ombre and sparkly. <laughs> yes. It's and like I the, love it. you're seeing the night sky through yes through the glass walls kind of. Yeah, I I love that it's the scene that we're getting in this book, one of my favorite scenes in the whole mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. Um the only thing I don't like is Jason has messy hair and is not in his guard stance. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he probably I'm going to allow it. Clean cut, yeah. <laughs> does Jason does he have Long hair in the books. Do you know how long? It's yeah, it's to long be? enough to be in a ponytail in the books. Okay, that's what I thought. Because I like that's a really tiny ponytail, but it's a ponytail. Yeah, yeah, that's how I see him in my head. But I didn't know if like I invented that. Um, no, no, no. It's mentioned that he has his hair in like a very like um, classy, pull combed back ponytail. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love winter in this though. She's like sitting on the ground and she's like, she's leaning up against his leg and she's painting the uh, Saturn. Of, she looks from so the mobile. at ease. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She does. She looks so comfortable. Mm, I love it. I could just look at this picture for hours. Yeah. Winter is my favorite character in the whole book. So oh, I love seeing how she? people. Oh yeah. 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 I love her. So you're going to have to let me know if there's any winter chapters you want me to save for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll have to look ahead. Because, yeah, I adore her. Our next one is from Silver Sketch on Tumblr. Um, I'm not entirely sure it works for this because I don't know where Cress would have gotten a beautiful diamond necklace from. But I'm going to go with it because (laughs) I love the art so much. It's like, I don't know, really, really impressive cartoony, but in a good way. I don't know how Mm -hmm. to say it. Yeah. no, Like it's a cartoon, but it's more than that. Yeah, there's a very specific style to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thorn is a character who I've had a really hard time seeing in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like this interpretation. He's just like very classically handsome, kind of. I always picture Thorn as like the 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 like poster boy for what you would expect um, the cool guy to look like, you know? You know, like Drew Seeley, Zac Efron, like that kind oh, of thing. Oh, yeah, where, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I always I, picture him being some representation of that guy. Have you seen Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again? No. Okay. First of all, you should because it is delightful. <laughs> but there's an actor in that named Jeremy Irvine. And I'm going Google plays, him right now. Yeah. He plays the young version of Pierce Brosnan. And... I kind of like had an epiphany. I, like it, it clicked for me that I was like, "Oh, he is how I see Thor." <gasps> He's perfect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <gasps> yes, I love it. I love him in this little suit that I'm seeing here. Yeah, he'd be a great Thorin. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see um, Heart of Dixie? No. So Heart of Dixie had a, a character that reminded me of Thorn. Um, I guess not necessarily that like the actor. No, he could be Thorn, but Wilson Bethel, um, there's like a, an episode with him where he's wearing this like, um, where he's wearing this like white tank top and a black jacket, oh. like a leather jacket. And he just, he just reeks Thorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. 
So I'm, I think I shared that once before and I had, I had opposite. I had a lot of people that were like, oh, he would have been a good thorn. And then I had a lot of people that were like, thorn's not blonde. And I'm like, okay, I didn't say it was perfect. They dye people's hair for movies <laughs> exactly. all the time. <laughs> Everyone wears a wig nowadays anyway. <laughs> right. But I love this art. I love the that Thorne is just staring at Cress captivated and that mm-hmm. Cress isn't paying attention. And that's what reminded me of, um, you know, what happens in these chapters, which we will talk about next. Yeah, absolutely. So first things first, we are recording this super early because I'm going to go see my nieces and yeah. my husband and our family are going to hang out for a few days. So I don't actually have chapter titles for you guys, but what I'm going to do is... I'm going to like record a little clip and put it in right here to tell you what the chapter titles were for six and seven. Chapter six is titled Hopelessly Devoted to You by Olivia Newton-John. And chapter seven is Going Under by Evanescence. So yeah, back from the clip. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome back from the clip. So chapter eight of Winter, last week we left off Captain Carswell Thorne can finally see again. The Eastern Commonwealth Palace is under attack and Jason is waking up from healing in his take and he's on his way to see Lavana um, to get his orders. Yes. Jason, Jason, Jason. <laughs> Jason, how do you feel about Jason? Jason reminds me a lot of how my husband was before I married him. Oh, interesting. Uh, my husband and his family, like I told you, my family is super emotional. They're the opposite. Right. Yes. And so a lot of the mannerisms and behaviors that Jason has, I'm like, yup, 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 yup. Wow. Like, that's example, really interesting. And this is something I'm sure everyone can picture Jason doing. My husband did not tell me he loved me until after we were married. Whoa. Like the three words together in a sentence didn't happen until during our wedding vows. Whoa. <laughs> Because wow. in his mind, I should already know that. Why would he want to yeah. marry someone if he didn't love them? Like, it's just a given. But, like, I'm a super emotional, hopeless romantic. So I'm like, do you love me? Am I pretty? Are we going to live together forever? Like, I'm, I've am i got to be the most opposite person of him in the world. I don't know how it even oh, happened. This is, this is interesting. <laughs> wow. But the crazy thing is uh, we've been together. We've been married eight years now. He's not, it's not like that at all now. <laughs> hey, people he's change and people grow. He's just been around an emotional and, person yeah. too long. He's, he'll tell me he loves me like 10 times a day now. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, Jason is really interesting to me because I think there's something about writing a character who is considered like weak-minded that is really interesting to me because I feel like our go-to is to make our characters intelligent and strong and et cetera. And so I think Jason is just fascinating to me because Marissa wrote him so, so differently, so uniquely. Um, I think what, uh, I think what would be really easy to do with a character that's, that's weak minded, like you said, is to make him like dumb or Mm -hmm. shallow. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like think about TV shows and movies, how they always have like that one person that's unrealistically dumb that no one yeah. actually knows anyone who acts like that. Yeah. Like, I, think I feel like, like that would be an easy way to handle it. Yeah. So like like, like no. a, a Joey type from Friends or, <laughs> yes, exactly. or, or exactly. Jason from The Good Place. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. 
And instead she was like, he's weak minded. That doesn't mean he's weak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I agree. What do you think of Jason? You said winter was your favorite. Is there a parallel? Like is Jason also like your favorite male character? No, definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. I don't know who my favorite male character is. Probably Kai. Um, No, uh, Jason is, he's just a little, it's been a long time since I fully read winter and I would like to revisit it and really pay attention to Jason because I think it's an interesting concept for a character. And I think if anyone can make it work, it's Marissa Meyer. But to me, he just feels like a little one note compared Mm. to especially like the female characters in these books are so Mm -hmm. rich. Um, So I I don't know. He's of the four. He's probably number four in my rankings. Yeah. I would, I would have to say he's, um, I think the first time I read it, he was number four, but I, you know, as we're doing this reread, I'm, I'm understanding that my characters and my favorites and stuff like that aren't what I thought they were. Mm, Like I always thought I was Cresswell till the day I died, but rereading this, I'm like, no, Wolflet all the way. Like there is something so desirable about the level of devotion the two of them have for each other. I very much agree. Even though winter's my favorite female character and Kai is probably my favorite male character. Scarlet and Wolf's relationship is my favorite of the four Right, that's like the definition sure. of hashtag goals. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Scarlet's my favorite of the four books too. So of the four like, books, yeah. Yay. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do really like about Jason that is really interesting to me, uh, I'm really like in tune to names. I always am looking at like the meanings of names and I spend hours and hours naming and renaming my characters. And so I really like that he is Jason Clay and he's like, he's got an earthly name, which is mm-hmm. such an interesting concept with, or, or it's an interesting contrast with all of these moon names like Lavana and Selene and um, even Solstice and in even winter hail being like hail coming from the sky um, and having clay as like her opposite. I, I do think that his name was a really good choice. I agree. I agree. I always thought, um, I always thought uh, Jason, whenever winter talks about him having like the sun in his smile or he's the sunlight in her mm. life, it always makes me think of that last half of his name, Jason. Oh, interesting. And and thinking about like the concept of how how that may or may not have played a role, I don't know, but like it, it brings me back to to those two components and how they connect to each other. Wow, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, because I was looking up what Jason means. And... I looked it up and it means like flower, I think. Well, yeah, yeah, because it's it's this spelling is kind of derived from like hyacinth like a hyacinth okay. flower. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, that's. Uh, oh, in Greek mythology, it means to heal. Yes. Oh, that's sad. Cause he wanted to be a doctor. Yes. Okay. That's, that's, what that's what it is. I was like, there's something else there. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's he wanted depressing. to be a doctor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah. People put so much thought into their character names. I love it. Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, every name, like, you know, Cinder is obvious. Winter being Snow White and... Um, uh, I mean, Thorn is obvious Scarlet, if you've obviously. actually read... Uh, Rapunzel. If you've actually read Rapunzel, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
I have to say my husband just listened to the Cress audiobook and he was blown away. He was like, oh, her tower is a satellite towering over Earth. And I was like, I know. He was like, that's some smart thinking right there. <laughs> yes. yes. I, I recently, I looked up Garnell and what Garnell would mean. Um, and it means the hidden spot, hmm. which is like, you know, she's literally in the hidden spot. That's so funny. I didn't think of that. Yeah. And then Erland, I looked up as well. Oh, it means foreigner. Oh, well, I mean. Which, again, makes sense with him being both from the moon and living in Africa. And I just knew it was a, in, what is it, an anagram when it's, yeah. the, when it's the same letters. Yeah. But I think it's cool that, that it uses the same letters, but has a name that's relevant. I see, and this kind of stuff is so cool, and it makes me hate my name. What? Like, Why? My name means house of figs. Well, do you like figs? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so Wikipedia I, says, or it, it could also mean house of affliction. So that's uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> not, I guess not my, a whole lot um, better. When my when my mother was pregnant with me. Mm-hmm. Um, her two best friends from high school died in a car accident oh. and they were named Elizabeth and Annabelle. So she named me Beth Annie after the two of them. <gasps> oh, wow. So it has nothing to do with like the name meaning on Beth Google Annie. or anything, but like so really when you find you're... out that names have a cool meaning, it's like, oh, my name means trees. <laughs> well, Elizabeth means my God is an oath. Oh. And Anne means God has favored me. So really, you're those two names. You're not Bethany. That's very, very true. I think I like that better. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> so should awesome. we talk about some chapter stuff? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so Jason... Uh, gets off the elevator, ready to go meet Lavana. I love the description of this room. It's, oh, me too. It's glass everywhere. Mm-hmm. And even the elevator is glass so that it doesn't disrupt the view of the room. And there's nothing to decorate the room except the view out the glass of the entire city of Artemisia. Yeah. And the glass is all non-reflective as well. Just like is, she wanted. Yes. Like exactly what we would expect from Queen Lavana. I just love the description of how like over the top luxurious everything is. Mm-hmm. And how yeah. the, the view of the city is all the decor that you would ever need. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked that line. So Jason is uh, going up there to, to see his fate basically. And I love that he has these moments in his head. Like this is, we haven't gotten a lot of, things from Jason's perspective. So I love that we actually see an interaction with him and mm-hmm. Lavana through his perspective, because I love when he talks about like how the queen is beautiful and she could steal the breath of any man, but winter can steal their breath and their heart. Yeah. And he makes that distinction between like what, what beauty is and what you can do with beauty and what the difference is. Absolutely. I, I like that we get an outside perspective of both Lavana and Winter because at this point we don't really know we haven't really met any characters that know both of them and the contrast between them is important especially as it relates to this being a retelling of Snow White so I think that's great that we can use Jason 
as a way to view these two women. That's a great point. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that because um, it's also Jason has known both of them his whole life. He grew yes. up at the palace. Yeah. And yeah. Everett was basically like a surrogate uncle to him. Yeah, him, he and Winter know Lavana better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. As uh, mm-hmm. uh, from a as well point as of view perspective, could know Lavana, right? Right. Well, yes, exactly. But that means that he has the like the most perspective on who she is. Mm-hmm. So, so like we can really trust his thoughts and opinions about Lavana more than probably you know Cinder and Kai and Cress and Scarlet because we know that he's known her, him and Winter. Um, so I think it's interesting, you know, it, it really shows that their read, the other characters read on Lavana is pretty accurate if Jason is having the same kind of thoughts and feelings about her. Especially because they don't really know Lavana at all. Right? They know yeah. that she's power hungry and a little, sa- you know, savage. Yeah. They know there's exactly. rumors, but they haven't had interactions with her. Yeah, really only Kai and Cinder? I mean, Cinder met her once, right? Yeah, yeah. Because she doesn't remember anything from when she was a child. Yeah, it's it's that's a good point to bring up because there's just such a big contrast between how he views the two of them. Oh yeah, totally. But they're very different people. They are. So, Lavana confirms that Garen's anti-lunar device does exist and that there's a prototype. Mm-hmm. Um, and she reveals that she, that Michelle Benoit, Cinder's protector, also had one. Yes. This could be like a throwaway line, but it's not <laughs> because of one very important factor. Lavana just revealed that she knew who Michelle Benoit was mm-hmm. and that she was Cinder's protector. Yeah. yeah. So Lavana has done her research. Lavana is well informed. Yeah. She, she got the information too late, but she did get it. Yeah, yeah. She may not have all of the information, but she's at least on the trail. Right. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and of course, Jason's first thought is that if this device exists, then he could use it for winter. Uh, and that should be his first thought. Oh, yeah. And that, makes sense. that tells us, the reader, like, hey, remember in press when jason and cinder were talking and cinder mentioned the device and jason gave away a hint of emotion for the first time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's because he was like oh something that actually matters to me yes yeah yeah actually you know what i was here for that chapter that was the last chapter i did with you <gasps> was it i'm pretty sure <laughs> that's awesome see we came full Look at us making these connections yes Oh, yeah, because I remember we went on this big tangent about the mirror. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. That makes me really happy. Yeah. <laughs> so Lavana is going to destroy the device and everything connected to it so it can never go to the um, earthen market. Yeah. And Lavana reminds the reader and Jason that her husband died. Mm-hmm. That she... And that while he died, he begged her to take care of Winter. And Jason kind of has this moment where he's like, 
Levana says, like, I loved him very dearly. And Jason is like, I would believe you if I believed you were capable of love. Right. Yeah. Which I don't. Uh, yeah. Anyone who listened to our fairest episodes knows that we agree. She, (laughs) she's not capable of understanding the concept of love. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like that contrast between Levana's incapability to love and Jason's knowledge that winter is so capable of love and loves him. Like is an, an important aspect in the relationships and the dynamics of what are happening here. I like that. So in Ferris, we got to find out that the rumor that Lavana had her husband killed just so she could have an advantageous, advantageous. Did I say that right? Uh, Yeah. Advantageous. Yeah. And um, we find out in Ferris that that was actually true. Mm-hmm. Jason doesn't mention that here at all. All he mentions is that Everett was murdered and that Lavana has sobbed hysterically for hours. Yes. So I wonder if Jason doesn't think that it was a setup. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because he doesn't really f- reflect on that in this moment. Mm-hmm. But you have to think that like... At some point over this last decade or however long it's been, like, he would have considered it. I mean, everybody considered it, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure he considered it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he probably thinks that that's exactly what happened. I just thought it was interesting that that part didn't get brought up while we were talking about, like, Mm -hmm. Everett's dying last wish, the fact that Levana and Winter were both hysterical and devastated like i thought it was interesting that we didn't come back to that full circle so i think maybe the reason would be that like marissa meyer as an author is trying to show us like how much knowledge the people of luna actually have without speculation Mm -hmm. you know like this is the presented story is like this is what happened yeah, that's a very good point because there's a difference between the presented story and then the legend, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Jason is like the POV character that gives us that perspective the most. So right. he would be the one to 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 give us the story as it has been told to the people of Luna. Yeah, good point. So Winter has requested something. Mm-hmm. She wants Jason to be on her guard. Who better to protect? Who would protect him better? No one. No one could protect him better. Yeah. It's but. really interesting that Lavana grants this request. And, and she says that it's for, like, it's, it's because the people respect Winter and she wants to maintain her relationship with Winter. Um, but Is I don't so? know if that's true. <laughs> Well, Jason thinks it's just so he can keep tabs on her. Right. Which I, I mean, I would agree because that's what Lavana says too. She's like, she's becoming a marriageable age. We need mm-hmm. her to be kept in line so someone will actually marry her. But from Lavana's perspective, does it make sense to allow that to be Jason? I don't know. Maybe Lavana just can, it's the same as like with Channery, I think. Lavana knows that them being like guard and princess isn't the same as them being friend or potential mm. lovers. Yeah. So it's the same as like when Channery wouldn't let Everett leave 
the guard when he found out mm. that Lovano was getting obsessed because Channery mm-hmm. was just like, oh no, I'm having way too much fun watching this crumble and burn. Yeah, that's an interesting you know? parallel. So I wonder if Lavana is the same. She's she's enjoying seeing their their struggle and their the heartache that it's going to cause them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's pretty because it's a dream and a nightmare. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a a transition here. Now we're in Winter's perspective, and she's been mm-hmm. waiting and listening at the door pretty much all day. Yeah. And well. this is cute, but it's also like. It's so heartbreaking. So she's been waiting at the door all day. She finally hears footsteps. She's about to walk out the door and she sees blood and feels the sticky blood on her hand. And she's yeah. like, really? Right now? Right now yeah. I'm having a hallucination? Couldn't have done this earlier when I was sitting around with nothing to do. But she knows what to do, though. She, like, counts back from 10 and, like, the vision goes away. I love that because it's it's an, another reminder that, like, Jason is her anchor. Mm, that yeah. with Jason they aren't as bad like she said before yeah so she goes in the hall she's super happy to see Jason and he's an expressionless statue yeah does it say he's still a stone I think it does say still I think a so stone. too which is an interesting uh, phrase to use for a character whose name is Clay let me double check Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. I could have sworn it said still is clay or still is stone, but wouldn't be the first time I was wrong about something. Well, you're covering a lot of books here, so I think you're allowed to be wrong (laughs) about a couple things. They get, um, I don't know, commingled together, I guess. Oh, it says, okay, uh, page 72, it says... His expression was stone. His blue eyes focused on some point above her head or over her head. And then later it says uh, she could have been staring at a mannequin. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And I didn't make the connection between like clay and stone. I love that. I was looking for it because of the, the, the name. I love it. So after... Way too many moments of him being completely expressionless. All he does is, like, move his eyes and gaze at her. And she's like, phew, it's still my Jason in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that they know, they know each other well enough that a simple gaze is all it takes for her to know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Even if Jason isn't my favorite, and even if their relationship isn't, like, my number one ship in the books, like... It just shows Marissa's talent that, like, mm-hmm. I, I still care about them. Yeah, I agree. Especially because we don't know them yet. Yeah. yeah like, why should we so care about them us. at all? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She tries to get Jason to come to her room, but he won't. Yeah, yeah. She just like, kind of, she, like, says, 
Jason, there's an assassin under my bed. I need you to come I look. Love I love it. It's a <laughs> dead pans at it. Yeah. Like, and the audio like, books do a really great job there. It's like, Sir Jason Clay, there is an assassin under my bed. Like, <laughs> that's exactly how I imagine it. Yeah. Where it's like, there's no reason to take this threat seriously at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> She's just playing along with his, yeah. his need. So yes. he follows her in there and she closes the door. Not supposed to close the door when there's a boy in your room, Winter, you naughty girl. <laughs> I mean, he's her protector. I think it's allowed. Right? So he checks under the bed and he's like, huh, the assassin seems to have gotten away. And she's like, well, but now that you're in here, let me show you something. So she mm-hmm. made this huge table size model of the solar system as a wedding gift for Emperor Kai. Yeah. Um, but it's also been a distraction while he's gone. It's helped her keep her her sanity. Yeah. And I love that that leads to us finding out why a little bit more of why she glamors herself. Yes. She made the decision to never again use her glamour, to never again manipulate someone's thoughts or emotions, to never again fool herself into believing such an unnatural use of power could be harmless. Yeah, I I think the decision on Winter's behalf to not use her glamour is like a really important part of her character. Like it's almost like the foundation of it is is telling us like she is perhaps the most like morally upright person in all of Luna because mm-hmm. or or at least in in like the palace and you know like it, it's an important value to her to be truthful in a way that no one else really seems concerned about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and in a way that we don't ever see any other lunar, even, even remotely trying to achieve, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No one else like even seems to think about it. Yeah. They, they care more. They're so obsessed with how important their gift is. Like they even practice for as children, they practice the gift to, Mm -hmm. to perfect their, their craft, their skill. Yeah. Yeah. Because glamours are like, a core part of being a lunar it's a an important part of their culture and for her to completely reject it is you know it just says a lot about her yeah i agree not an easy thing to do it's why winter is such a strong character Mm -hmm. because the ability to do this is not an easy one yeah and it's a choice she makes she it says she'd made the decision when she was 13 okay but she's made that choice every single day absolutely i mean moment to moment like it's a yeah. constant struggle it's a constant decision it's a yeah. constant process and it affects her physically it affects her mentally and yep. she still knows like this is the right thing to do absolutely yeah so they have a little bit of back and forth here because she wants him to help her with saturn and he's like i'm your guard and she's you know, she wants them to be friends. She was hoping this would mean they could spend more time together. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, because I'm still your guard. Right. And Jason's love, taking his role very seriously. He does. I think he takes his whole job as a guard very seriously. Mm-hmm. And whether that's, you know, a sense of self-preservation or a sense of honor, I'm not sure. He only seems to have loyalty to Winter. So maybe it's a mix of both. Yeah. Yeah. I have to imagine that it's like, I need to 
hold on to this so I can hold on to her. You know, mm-hmm. like this is my way of protecting her. I agree. Yeah. So he settles his hands on her shoulders, a rare mm-hmm. touch. I love that it tells us like, look, he doesn't normally touch me. Yeah. Like I love that they're telling us that like any piece of affection from him is, is going to set her heart on fire because she, she doesn't get enough as much, as much of it as she wants. Yeah. She probably gets yeah. almost no affection from anyone. I can't imagine there's anyone that gives her genuine affection. I mean, people Mm-mm. gawk at her for being beautiful, but. That's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. So Jason reminds her that he's her guard and he would do anything to protect her. But while he's on duty, they can't be friends. And the line that we get now is the one that was in our fan art. I care about you more than I should. Mm-hmm. And uh, Winter is like, oh, you're going to explain that. And he like keeps pushing on. And he's like, and I'm not going. Like, she's yeah. like, no, no, no. We need to talk about what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah that that line really sticks out to her, mm-hmm. um, but unfortunately he does not give any more than that. And I like this metaphor that comes up next about how um, he says that he doesn't want to be a pawn in Lavana's game, and and Winter talks about like I've been a pawn for basically my whole life ever since Lavana married Everett, and um, which was when Winter was like two weeks old. Yeah, exactly. And then um, she says. It would be nice to step off the board sometimes. I, I really like that that idea. I love that, like, that they continue the analogy. Yes, yeah. Like I've been her puppet, her pawn all my life. All I want is a break from this game that she's forcing me to play. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And she's not even asking to like quit the game completely. All she wants is, you know, a moment away from it. Yeah, she just wants to step away whenever they can. Yeah, it reminds me of the Cinderella fairy tale that is like a common thought nowadays is that, you know, Cinderella didn't ask for a prince. She asked for a nice dress and a night off. And And a night off, yeah. Yeah, and that's what Winter is asking here. She's not asking for everything. She's asking for a moment. She just wants a moment of peace, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A rare moment of peace. So she resigns to the fact that she'll basically have to ignore him when he's on duty. And he goes back out into the corridor and she thinks about what he said. I care more about you. I care about you more than I should. And she goes, fine, I can work with that. Mm-hmm. Love it. She's yeah. so optimistic. Yeah. So she takes all of her stuff. She goes outside. She sits down next to him and she starts working on Saturn. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm afraid I didn't see you there. <laughs> I love that she flirts with him. I love it so much. I'm going to go ahead and read the last paragraph just because it's adorable. Yeah. Jason said nothing else. Neither did she. After the first ring was completed, she leaned her head against his thigh, making herself more comfortable as she picked out a sunburst orange. Overhead, Jason sighed, and she felt the faintest brush of fingertips against her hair. A hint, a suggestion of togetherness before he became a statue once more. I love that a suggestion of togetherness. Yeah. Yeah. Love that line. My heart. Okay. So what was your song title for this one? Yeah. So my song title was don't think twice. It's all right. By Peter, Paul and Mary. 
Um, couple of reasons I picked this one. I mean, the first of all is like, don't think, right? Don't think twice is about Jason trying to repress his, his thoughts and his emotions and his feelings while around Lavana because it's so easy for him to be manipulated. But also just the fact that it's don't think twice is a reference, I think, in my mind to the fact that this chapter is split into two perspectives, two point of views. We get um, Jason's point of view for the first half and then Winter's for the second half. Yeah, I think that works really well. I didn't think of that song at all, but I like the way that it matches. Thanks. What was yours? So the song that came to my mind is Secret Love Song by Little Mix, which is a song that I Mm -hmm. love. In recent years, it's become an anthem of the LGBTQ community, so it makes me cry when I listen to it now. Yeah. Um, But I think that their story kind of fits the whole concept of that song. So why can't I hold you in the street? Why can't you kiss me on the dance floor? I wish that we could be like that. They don't get to have that. And Winter Mm -hmm. says specifically that that's what she wants. She wants to be able to have those moments with him and he can't because that's not part of his job. Yeah. yeah. And no, I also like the line of um, it's obvious you're meant for me. Every piece of you just fits perfectly. Oh yeah. Oh. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's sweet. Ugh, I love that song. Okay. So chapter nine. Oh no, wait, just kidding. Oh. <laughs> Um, our chapter quotes. Do those yes. first. Maybe I need yeah. more coffee. <laughs> um, okay, so my quote for chapter eight was, um, looking at her could steal the breath of any mortal man. He's talking about uh, Lavana in that first line. Looking at her could steal the breath of any mortal man. However, and Jason kept this thought very, very quiet in his head, the princess could steal both their breath and their hearts. And again, this goes back to, you know, the examination of the differences between Lavana and Winter, where Lavana could steal the breath of any mortal man. She is beautiful, but Winter is beautiful and she's good because she can steal both their breath and their hearts. And, and, and obviously hearts, hearts being a, an important element in the Snow White fairy tale. Yes, that's a mm-hmm. good connection. And stealing your heart specifically. You're so smart. <laughs> I, I like my fairy tales. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was so your quote? Mine was, I care about you more than I should. It's <sighs> really simple, but... It's so good, though. I love these rare, tiny moments we get from Jason where he's like a real person with like thoughts and feelings and emotions. <laughs> like, it's like a, it's like a clear... It's like a clear moment on a rainy day, you know, it's like you don't expect it. So when it happens, you're like, wow, I didn't even know I needed this. Thank you. Yeah. And I wonder for him, it feels that way too. You know, when he gets a strong emotion, it probably feels, especially when it's, uh, you know, directed towards winter, it's a feeling of like relief. Yeah, I think so. Mm Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. And now back to the show. Okay, so chapter nine, 
Yes. I love this opening. So cute. Cress is looking <laughs> for food. They have evaporated milk, kidney beans, tuna, and oh, good. Pickled asparagus. Yeah. If you were going to design a meal that was going to be the worst meal I ever had, <laughs> these would be for crucial ingredients. Tuna is like one of my least favorite things in the entire world. I could do the kidney beans. Yeah, I could probably get through those. Yeah. But no tuna. Yeah, no. I wouldn't mind the tuna. I don't have a thing with tuna, but like I like tuna when it's prepared tuna. So like Oh yeah. Tuna, okay. Like tuna noodle pasta like pasta and stuff. Mhm. Mm-hmm. You know. Iko is jealous because everybody has taste buds but her. <laughs> Such a great detail. It is a really great detail. I love it. Yeah. So basically they're going through all of the f- crates that are on the rampion trying to find out anything that's useful and cinder is like sitting on the floor organizing all these piles and it's like guns guns more guns how about some ammunition <laughs> oh look there's more guns and wolf is like um you guys have a lot of guns for a world with peace yes yeah and i'm like but Kai points point, out, well, yeah. still, <laughs> criminals are still violence you know we still, still need, need to protect ourselves yeah. yeah so wolf finds a gun that reminds him of the one Scarlet shot him with and is like, oh, Scarlet shot me once. I love this like line. This. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this line. It literally says like, the confession was said with as much tenderness as if Scarlet had given him a bouquet of wildflowers rather oh than a bullet. So I funny. I love it so much. Yeah, yeah. You can just like picture it. I love that Kai promises too. He's like, if she's in Artemisia, I will find her. Yeah. Yeah. It shows that Kai is becoming a part of their their group. That he's even made a connection with Wolf. Oh yeah, absolutely. So they find more medicine and supplies. Aiko is upset because she wants them to find tissue, synthetic tissue mm-hmm. to fix her paneling. Yeah. Kai finds six hideous dolls with carved wood eyes and feathers. They're Venezuelan dream dolls. Now, have you Googled Venezuelan dream dolls before? I'm doing it right now because I want to see. I Googled it and I was very disappointed. Oh, no, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I was hoping I would see like what's described in this book and I don't. Huh. Yeah, nothing I see here matches this description. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. When I Google it, I get a lot of different weird Barbies. Yeah, I see a bunch of Barbies, and then I see someone holding, like, a bunch of tiny little dolls. Like, mm-hmm. tiny little... I, I don't think that's what this is supposed to be. So maybe and it something that been invented... Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's been invented since our time, you know? I wonder if it was maybe, like, a vague mention in something, and she was like, that's cool, I'm going to use that, because it's mm. hundreds of years later, so now it's considered an antique. Oh, maybe, yeah. Or maybe she just made it up. I don't know. <laughs> what if I just search Venezuelan dolls without the dream? Yeah, there's mm. a really cool one you'll get that has a veil. Ooh. Or at least that's what I got when I looked mm. up just Venezuelan dolls. There was a really creepy one with a veil that was perfect. Huh. Yeah, I don't see I still don't see anything that like really matches what she describes as being like a carved wooden doll. Right. Well, I guess we could Google the huh. description and see what happens. Oh, yeah, maybe. Mm. 
Okay, I see something, but it only has two eyes. Nope, I'm just kidding. That's not the thing I thought it was. Six eyes. Yeah, I don't see anything like that. Yep, I got nothing. I don't know. Save it for Marissa. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, ask Marissa. So Kai is like, well, he's going to give them back, right? And Thorne is like, oh, I will for a finder's fee. Uh-huh. And everyone swoops over to look at Thorne. And Thorne looks different. He's not wearing his blindfold. And he's clean shaven. And he's staring at Cress. Mm-hmm. Almost, Almost captivated. Yes. Love it. And it makes me think of our our fan art that we had, which was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it that he's just staring at her. And it makes me so heartbroken when she says, like, couldn't that he he couldn't be captivated by her because he's so worldly and confident. And I'm like, so you are worthy of being captivated at girl. Poor Cress. Don't even know your worth. Did Cress watch a lot of TV on the Yeah, she Sally? loved net dramas. It's okay. she was she mentioned how big she was into net dramas. That I thought so. That makes sense to me. Because I feel like like I almost feel like Cress hasn't spent a lot of her teenage years like around society. So I was wondering where any of her life at all around society. Right. Right. So, (laughs) well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was thinking about like, where did these thoughts and behaviors come from that she like calls herself plain and stuff, but it's likely that she's learned that from TV. Oh yeah. And and Mm -hmm. we saw that a lot in crest when she was like, well, in the net dramas, they kiss and we survive. Right. Yeah. No, we're not kissing? Okay, that was weird. <laughs> Thorin says that he likes her hair. And Aiko runs and jumps at him. And she's like, Captain, you can see. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh, I really know how to pick them. And the crest completely deflates. Yeah, yeah. Because Aiko is so beautiful. I like when she says that it's not... I think it's later, but I like when she says that it's not Aiko's fault and that Aiko has been really nice to her. Yes. Yeah. And that Aiko takes more delight in her body than most humans do. I love that line. Oh yeah. 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 That's good that she's so appreciative of, you know, having a body because she, she hasn't, especially (laughs) coming out of the Rampion. Right. Yeah. Thorne has a moment where he offers to help Cress because she's trying to carry all these cans and she drops one, but she keeps like avoiding him and trying to play it off like she doesn't care. Convincing herself that his eyesight means nothing, which yeah, is because, terrible. Yeah, because she she's like feeling differently now. You know, like she's gained so much confidence in the time that he did not have his eyesight. Like she was getting comfortable, you know, just interacting with him. And him seeing her has kind of like deflated all of that, you know, like she, she's feeling really insecure again because he, he can see her now. And so she's trying to talk to her. She's trying to talk herself into like realizing, you know, like I'm still me, like nothing has really changed, but that's not necessarily true because, you know, our feelings are valid. And Crest doesn't know that her feelings are valid because mm-hmm. no one's ever told her they are. Yeah. But I think she's slowly starting to learn and understand that concept. If nothing else, she sees that it's she sees other people that way, right? Like she mentions mm-hmm. that she wishes she had Iko's confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she knows that like some people have that. And I think she wants to have that, but there are roadblocks for her. 
Yes, which makes sense as someone who's, I mean, been abused and been sheltered. It makes sense that she hasn't developed, you know, social skills in the way that some of the others would. And and, and specifically for Aiko, like, she's a robot, you know? Like, she's she feels very human, but, like, her confidence comes not. from the fact that she's, yeah, not, I mean, not. Right. So... And Cress has this inner dialogue with herself that like depresses me a little bit about how like she and Thorne are friends. They're only friends. They will only ever be friends. And it's like, it's like the thought that, you know, many people and many characters go through when they're trying to reconcile their feelings and trying to um, kind of talk themselves out of being interested in someone who they feel is not interested back. Um, but it's a very relatable thought process, I think. I think I connect to it a lot because my husband and I were friends for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I developed a crush on him years into the friendship, like several years into the friendship, like four oh. or five years. Yeah. Um, but I remember how 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 it felt like every little interaction was suddenly a million times more electrically charged than it was before. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Cause he was my friend and it was never supposed to be more than that. Right. So like you start to overanalyze every single moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. An extra look, an extra touch. Like they said this, what does it mean? Do they want to go here? What does that mean? You know, it's, yeah. it's, um, it's this concept and, and Marissa captures it so beautifully from Cress's perspective. So she's, she realizes she tells herself that Thorne is her friend, her captain and nothing more. Yeah. And Cinder gets her heart broken too, because I, Kai is like, okay, Thorne can see time for me to go. And Cinder doesn't, she's not ready to let this go. Mm-hmm. She's not ready to let go. The, the tiny utopia that they have together. Yeah. Yeah, it's very relatable, Cinder's moment here, because mm-hmm. she's not ready, and so she's trying to tell everyone else we're not ready. But Kai, Kai is like, we are ready. <laughs> we gotta go. I like that Kai also points out, like, you're never gonna be ready. Like, we gotta mm-hmm. go. Yeah, sooner or later, we have to do something. Right. And of course, Wolf is ready to go, because he wants to get Scarlet back. Yep. I like that Cress connects with Cinder when she realizes that Cinder like is putting on a brave face and I that love she's not as uh, as brave as she puts on. Yes, I love this where she says like something like uh, she enjoys the fact that she kind of shares that with Cinder that they try to be brave but they're they're not always as brave as they pretend to be. Though she always did her best to hide it, Cress knew Cinder wasn't always as brave as she pretended. It was sort of comforting to think they might have this in common. Yes, I love that. Yes. And and again, Cress has never had friendships. So she's realizing that there's a comfort in having common ground with people that helps build the foundation of a friendship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's her way of, of realizing like Cinder is my friend. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. sweet. So they go back and forth for a few minutes where everyone is like, Cinder, it's time. And Cinder's like, no. And they're like, but for real. And she's like, no. No, seriously. No. 
But she freezes mid sentence, mm-hmm. and Cress is like, "Oh, she saw something on her retina display." Yeah. So, like, Cress is so observant of everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a that's a great like character trait of hers. It is. So that's kind of where we leave the chapter. The thing that she saw was that Kai's palace is under attack. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it. Dramatic. Chapter and nine. That's all she wrote. We did it. Just kidding. There's a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's like another 800 pages or something. Right? <laughs> it's a big book. Yeah. So let's talk about your song choice for this one. Yeah. So um, my chapter nine title was Can't Take My Eyes Off of You or Can't Take My Eyes Off You by Frankie Valley. I mean, uh, this is all about Thorn being able to see again and he also literally can't take his eyes off of Cress. And that's like kind of the thing that she's consumed by in this chapter. I know. I completely agree. And I just had another connection about like the chapter ends with uh, Cinder, like seeing something in her, her eyes as well. And something that she can't take her, her eyes off of because yeah. it's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So completely uh, a parallel there an opposition. Yeah. Yeah. And what was your title? So I chose Just Friends by Jason Reeves. Mm. Beautiful song. Yeah. Um, but Cress repeats that refrain in this in this chapter quite a bit that they're just friends, like trying uh-huh. to convince herself. And um, I love this song because it it talks about like not wanting that. I don't want to be friends. I'll never fake it or pretend I don't want another person than you. Um, uh. I mean, that's... I don't want to be just friends. That's something I can't understand. I don't want to be just friends. Not now, not ever. Those two words are bullets in my chest. <laughs> Kills me. Such a good song. Such a good song. Yeah. Um, but I, I love that, that concept of like, I don't, this is what we have, but it's not what I want. Like, it's not good enough for her. It's not everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. Thanks. So what was your chapter quote? Yeah. So um, in this quote, Cress is thinking and talking about uh, Iko. So she says, uh, Cress just wished she could have her confidence. If she had the guts to throw herself into Thorne's arms, to wink and make flirtatious comments and pretend like none of it mattered, except that it did matter, or it would have if she dared try it. I just think that was that, almost my quote. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, that's crazy that we almost think the same one. I just think this is super relatable. Just the idea of like not feeling confident, especially, you know, in a situation where you're talking to somebody that you're romantically interested in and, and seeing other people who do have that confidence and wishing you could and, and trying to tell yourself like, it, it, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. I could just do it and it wouldn't matter. But knowing like in your heart that, if if you did try something like that and you were rejected, it would just like destroy you. It just it would suddenly matter. Really relatable. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. What was your quote? I chose worldly confident Captain Thorne could never be captivated by plain awkward her, and she'd been disappointed by wishful thinking before. Aww. Our poor little Cress is like. Like, she's so caught up in this romanticized Thorn. Even after finding out all of the bad things about him, she's still like, nope, you're still a hero. You're still still the one that I want. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I think that's such an important part of their dynamic is her humanizing him. Mm-hmm, I you know, agree. Yeah, and not for bringing as, out those sides that we don't see. Yeah, yeah, she keeps him on a pedestal for so long, and it's important that she sees by the end that they will be equal. I feel like that would be important for them to be able to move forward. If they, if they were to move forward, that would be if, the only way that they could, right? Yes. Because otherwise there's always going to be that level of imbalance. Yes. That power imbalance where she's and, getting, yeah. And I don't think Cress could handle that insecurity because we saw how much it hurt Cinder, who's very confident and very full, like sure of herself. But when it comes to Kai, she's like, he could have any girl in the world. Yeah. Yeah. If there were any other man that she was interested in, I don't think she would care at all. But because it's someone who who potentially could have any girl in the world, it upsets her more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Please remember that Prince Kai Fan Pod is a free podcast and always will be. If you'd like to show your support for the show, head over to patreon.com slash princekaifanpod. Patreon allows you to get extra perks and behind-the-scenes bonuses for only $1 a month. If you can't join Patreon but would still like to show your support because you just love the show so much, head over to coffee.com slash princekaifanpod. That's K-O hyphen F-I dot com slash PrinceKaiFanPod and leave a one-time only tip. Your support will help me bring you more TLC and Marissa Meyer content that you know and love. Now, let's get back to the episode. So that is the end of chapter nine and the end of today's episode. There were two Easter eggs. The bonus word hair appeared five times. Um, Next week, we're going to cover chapters 10 and 11. Drew, in case they haven't listened to it before, there's a lot of really great of Slippers and Spindles podcast episodes to listen to. So uh, where can people find of Slippers and Spindles? Oh, yeah. We're super easy to find. You can just search of Slippers and Spindles in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, we're also on Instagram. We're just at of Slippers and Spindles. And we have a Facebook group called of Slippers and Spindles um that's basically it we are not currently producing episodes unfortunately due to uh some health issues that i've been going through over the past few months um but we are very hopeful that we will be able to return at some point in the fall so um if you haven't listened to us yet there are there's like a good six months of episodes that you can listen to i guess i didn't mention our podcast is all about fairy tale retellings and uh different movies and fairy tales we pick a different fairy tale each month and we talk about different adaptations of that fairy tale so um if you like marissa meyer if you like the lunar chronicles if you like other fairy tale retellings we are your podcast It's perfect. I sp- and there's episodes on there that you guys can read, like listen to, even if you haven't read the book. Like mm-hmm. we did an episode on Cinder. There's a Rapunzel yeah. episode. Yes. Yeah, we did Tangled. a whole Rapunzel month. Yeah, Tangled. We oh. do. Uh, if the fairy tale that we're covering has a Disney adaptation, we cover that Disney adaptation. So if you enjoy Disney, we've got a Beauty and the Beast episode, Cinderella, Snow White, Tangled, all that good stuff. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for being here. I'm so glad I got to record with you again. Yeah, thank you for having me. Even though Cassie couldn't be here this time, she's in tech week for her show. She's got big opening night in two nights. So for she sure. works so hard. She like, does. She's always working, and she's yeah. so like passionate and enthusiastic that she doesn't like let it burn her out. You know, she's amazing. She, the show she's directing right now is Godspell, 
And she and I did Godspell together back in 2006. And Aww. yeah, that, that cast, we all were super close. We used to do reunions like every six months, just like to have a party with the 10 of us that were in that show. And she sent me a video tonight of her cast performing my favorite song from the show. And I, it Aww. just brought me so much joy. It was so much fun to watch. So that is um, so sweet. I love yeah, that. Yeah. So hopefully we can, uh, one day Cass and I will be back on here together and, um, and we'll get a slippers and spindles back up and running and ear in your earbuds once again. I would love that. <laughs> well, thank you very much for being here. Listeners, be sure to check out of slippers and spindles podcast. And of course, rate review and subscribe Prince Kai fan pod. Um, until next time, keep reading, keep listening and don't get glamored. Don't get glamored. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from winter by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Drew from Of Slippers and Spindles podcast. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening. You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.